benefits of worship. There's many benefits to worship. And uh, let's go to Matthew, the 20th chapter. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Um, Some people worship God with ulterior motives. I want to just say a couple of things about that first. Now, you know, we ought to worship God because he's worthy to be praised. Is that right? And, And we should really worship the Lord with no motive at all other than we just love him and 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 we want to worship him and he's worthy to be worshiped that that is the reason we should worship god but there's some people that worship god with ulterior motives so just the first two examples here notice in Matthew 20 now I'm going to read this in the King James version verse 20 this is James and John's mother now Apparently, as you study this, James and John apparently had approached Jesus and they wanted to sit one on his right hand and one on his left hand. And, and Jesus, he said, that wasn't for mine to give. It's not for his to give. And so apparently they got their mother, apparently, to come and talk to Jesus about it because James and John wanted to sit one on Jesus' right hand and the other on his left in, in, in his glory, in his, in his kingdom. And how many of you know that's not a good motive, is it? To want a place of of position. Um, There's nothing wrong with wanting to advance, but when that is a motive, I want to sit right next to the boss because of... How many of you know that there's just something not right about that motive? And and notice here in verse 20, Matthew 20, 20, then came to, to Jesus, the mother of Zebedee's children, that's James and John, and her sons came along. And and... And what were they doing? They were, let's see if I got the right scripture up there. Now you're going to help me just a little bit. What were they doing? Worshiping, they they were worshiping Jesus. Now, if you stop right there, well, that that looks good. But But watch. And desiring a certain thing of him. And he said to her, what do you, what wilt thou, what do you want? What, what can I do for you? She said to him, grant that these my two sons may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. How many of you know she was worshiping him with an ulterior motive? And if you read another translation, she actually bowed down before him, knelt before him. And uh, she was worshiping him with an ulterior motive. Let's don't worship him with ulterior motives. Let's just worship God because he's worthy. And if you read it in the other, other gospel accounts, this is what Matthew's, but read Mark, Mark, Luke, John, and put them together. And, uh, and you'll see that apparently they came. He wouldn't, he wouldn't grant it to them, so they got their mom. Can't you see that? Her kneeling down. And he says, what, do you, what can I do for you? Well, I want you to put my sons into high positions. That's just ulterior motives. Again, let's never worship the Lord with ulterior motives, okay? Now then look at Luke 17. We're going to talk about, just briefly here, some other people that had ulterior motives. Luke 17, verse 12, New King James Version. Then as he entered Jesus, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And notice this, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. 
And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And now that's good, isn't it? So, I mean, in verse 13, we see them lifting their voices. Well, that's what you do when you worship the Lord. You lift, you lift your voice. It's one thing you do. Lift your hands, other things you do. But it, it, there's a connotation of worship here. And they called him master. Have mercy on us. And he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And that was, a, that was a law in the Old Testament when a leper was cleansed. They would go show themselves to the priest and get cleared so they could go back out in the public. As they went, they're cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a... Notice, if you read Revelation 5, you see worship in heaven is loud. With a loud voice. You see that? With a what kind of a voice? A loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Can you see here that this man of those ten, he was the only one that had a true and a right motive, didn't he? The other nine just worshipped Jesus to get something out of him. Does that bother you when you have people that want to be your friends or they're nice to you just so they can get something out of you? Bad motive here. Only one of them had a right motive. And he came back and worshipped Jesus, so forth. Verse 18, he said, were, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And then he said, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, one thing I will say, and I can't prove it, you can't disprove it, so it's just my opinion. Um, I'm not so sure that these nine other guys kept their healing. One thing I've learned about God is if you want to keep things that he's blessed you with, you need to be thankful for them and continue to be thankful for them and continue to worship God. I, I found that being around so many people for so many years, dealing in the capacity of, 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 of the ministry, there's not a whole lot of people that are really as thankful to God as they ought to be. And if you want to get anywhere with God, you're going to have to be thankful that blesses him when you're thankful and when you worship him. So we see two, two groups of people here that worshiped him with bad motives. Now let's look at some others who worshiped him with a good and a right motive. Real quick, Second Chronicles 20, over in the Old Testament, there was this king named Jehoshaphat, and he had a very, very powerful enemy coming against him and coming against the people of God. Now we're talking about the benefits of worship. Worshiping God just because he's worthy to be praised. Second Chronicles 20, notice here, verse 21, And when he, Jehoshaphat, had consulted with the people, now this enemy's coming to destroy him. And really, the enemy that was coming against, the enemy that was coming against Jehoshaphat, the people of God, by all rights, should have absolutely destroyed Jehoshaphat and, and his people. They were really in there, in, the, in, of, in and of themselves. Jehoshaphat and his, his army was no match for this army that was coming against him. Okay, you need to understand that. And uh, do you understand that? I mean, okay. So, and when he had consulted with the people, Second Chronicles twenty twenty one, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord 
and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, and were, they were saying, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And notice verse 22, and when they began to sing and to praise, now watch this, benefits of worship. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes or ambushments against the, the enemy, and the enemy was what? Can you all read? Do you all know how to read? They were what? Tristan, help me out. What's that last word there? Thank you. Destroyed. Good. Excellent. So he, you know how to read. I, I, that's good. Are you getting this? What's one of the benefits here of worshiping God? That, that, that the Lord will fight your battle for you. And he'll set ambushments against the enemy, you know. And the enemy was defeated. There's a, I think there's a verse in the book of Psalms that says that praise will still and stop the avenger, which is the devil. Pretty good benefit, don't you think? So Matthew, the second chapter, let's go to Matthew, the second chapter. How many of you remember the, the wise men, the magi, Christmas time, we talk about them usually. Now notice this. Matthew 2.11, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Now, this is the wise men. Okay? And notice what they did. They fell down and worshipped him. You see that? And then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And one of the upcoming sessions, we're going to talk about worshipping God with your offering. You know, we worship God with the fruit of our lips. We worship God by raising our hands. We worship God with our holy life that we live before him. You know, it's our spiritual worship, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. But there is another facet of worship is presenting offerings to God. M-O-N-I-E. What does that spell? Oh, M-O-N-E. And, and, and that's been abused by many preachers. But it's very biblical to bring offerings to the Lord. I believe David said, I will not give the Lord anything that didn't cost me something. And, and, and I've watched this 30 years, 35 plus years. So many Christians got Jesus, died on that cross for them. And people come and just tip him. Just tip him. You know what I you know, tip him? We ought to tip God. We ought to give Give God something that costs us something. He gave us Jesus. It cost God everything, didn't it? Well, we'll talk about that in another session. But notice they fell down. They worshipped him. And then they gave him, they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, notice the benefit in verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now, if they hadn't got that dream, they'd have probably been killed. You see that? They were divinely warned in a dream. See, they came and they worshiped the Lord. They didn't ask for a dream. They weren't believing for a dream. But God just blessed them for their worship. 
and it saved their lives. Do you know coming to the church with a good and a right heart and a good and a right motive and worshiping God can save your life? Did you know that? It really can. Notice Matthew, the 8th chapter. Here's another leper. Matthew 8, 1, when he had come down from the mountain, when Jesus came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and what? And, okay, thank you, and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing to be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy left him. That's the benefit of worshiping the Lord. Let's look at Matthew, the ninth chapter. Jairus, remember him? His little daughter, 12 years old, had died. He came to the Lord. And then the woman with the issue of blood interrupted there for a little bit of time. But let, look at Matthew nine eighteen. Well, he spoke these things to them. Behold, a ruler came. Notice, what did the ruler, Jairus, what did he come and do? He came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her and she'll live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Sake of time, go down to verse 25. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. That's a real good benefit, isn't it? But he worshipped. Look at Matthew, the 15th chapter, verse 21. Look at this. This is the Canaanite, sometimes called the Syrophoenician woman. Matthew fifteen twenty one. Then Jesus went out of there and departed from the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. That's a problem, isn't it? And he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came. Now notice, what, what did she do? She came and what? She worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. That's a good prayer to pray, isn't it? Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. We can all pray that one, can't we? That's far more powerful than a long, drawn-out prayer. Just from your heart, just a heart of worship in faith. Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. You know, about 99% of the people would have walked away from him right there. Because he offended, he offended me. He offended me. He offended me. Now, you see, the Jews viewed the Gentiles as dogs. And so, this, this, you know, this, this is very insulting. But that's what the Lord said. Do you realize 99% of the people would have walked away mad right there? And would never came back to Jesus again. He offended. And, and I tell you, it's one thing if somebody offends you. But it's a whole other shooting match when they offend your child. If I talk bad about you, that's one thing. I start talking bad about your kids. Now, that's really going to be a fighting match. And rightly so. Notice verse 27. She said, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. She had faith, didn't she? Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. 
But you see that worship tr triggered it. Worship triggered it. She was not there for any ulterior motive other than she came with the right heart. Yes, she wanted her daughter to be healed. Nothing wrong with that. And Jesus said some harsh things to her. But how many of you know he's love manifest in the flesh? So what he said was right, needed to be said. Is that right? Let me just get off here and just say this. Pastor Diane put something up on the uh, Facebook that was very good. She put a picture of a golden calf up on the Facebook. I don't know if any of you saw it. And she, she, she made this statement, and this was the essence of it. Because, you know, Jesus sometimes said some rough things to people. Once in a while, I'll say some pretty rough things up here. A lot of times people think I enjoy standing up here saying blunt things. I don't. But if you're going to be a man of God, you have to say what the Holy Ghost is saying. Sometimes there's some blunt things. Aaron, Moses' brother, remember Aaron was up on the mountain. I'm sorry, Moses was up on the mountain. Remember that? Getting the Ten Commandments. Is that right? And Aaron was overseeing the people while Moses was up on the mountain. And Aaron was a wimp. W. I am P. And he was going to let the people do whatever they wanted to do. And he was going to just, and the Bible said there was no restraint on the people. Because because Aaron was a wimp. Didn't want to ever say anything blunt. Didn't want to say anything to offend. Didn't want to ever step on anybody's toes. And because he was such a weak spiritual leader, the people were building and built and, and, Moses, and I'm sorry, Aaron right with him did the golden calf. Did you hear that? If you don't have a, now you listen to this and you mark it down. If you don't have a spiritual leader that will step on your toes with the word of God and be firm, you will fall into idolatry. Absolute guaranteed fact. If you have a pastor that is an entertainer, and just trying to get you to smile and have a good time all the time. And never wants to offend. Never wants to challenge you with anything. Guaranteed fact, eventually you will have, you'll have, you'll have idolatry in your life. You need a spiritual leader that will, as the Spirit of God directs, stand in a pulpit and challenge you with the Word of God. And step on your toes. Okay? And so you ought to go on Facebook and look at that. And, uh, you know, Facebook's not evil, by the way. A lot of evil stuff's done on it, but Facebook, if it's used properly, can be a great tool to reach people. Did you know that? It's like anything, you know. Television, it's a great invention, but there's a lot of bad stuff on television, but it's a good tool also to spread the gospel, you know. Follow what I'm saying? But what, I, what, what I'm trying to tell you is, is Jesus was not a wimp, was he? Moses was not a wimp. Did you know what Moses did when he came down off that mountain? He took that golden calf, he burned it, and the ashes, he put it in the water, and he made the people drink it. Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? He made the people drink it. Did you hear me? So you need a pastor that will be 
blunt with you when you need it. But this society here in the United States of America, most people aren't going to tolerate that. They're going to go somewhere where people will tell them what they want to hear. Very sad, isn't it? That's why the nation is a nation of idolatry for the most part. You know the United States is a nation of idolatry, didn't you? You, you know, even among most Christians. You know that, don't you? I told you that last week. I just brought that up because I thought what she put on Facebook was so good. And she didn't tell me to say this either, did you? No. Hey, let's go to another one. Mark 5. I'm just trying to show you there's benefits to worship. They came to the other side of the sea, Mark 5, 1. To the country of the Gadarenes, however you say that. I think it's Gadarenes. Anyway, and when he had come out of the boat, Jesus came out of the boat. Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Who had, who had his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even the chain, not even chains. Because he often had been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. This guy's in bad shape, isn't he? And we know that he's got a legion of demons in him. That's bad shape. And always night and day he was in the mountains and tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. This is bad shape. The guy's in bad shape. But you need to realize something. There was a, the man, did you know the devil can bind you in such a way that is terrible, but, but there can be enough on the inside of you still, that you want to be free. Did you hear me? And look at verse 6. When this maniac, demon-possessed maniac, saw Jesus from afar, he ran and what? Do you see that? Now, it wasn't the demons that was, was one. Now, now, get a lesson here. The, the demons didn't want this man to go worship Jesus. But did you know 2,000 demons can't stop you? Because the legion's about 2,000. Not even 2,000 demons can stop you from worshiping the Lord. And this man wanted to be free, and he ran and he worshiped Jesus. Now, you need to realize this. If you were to read, Matt, I think it's Matthew's account of this, there were two demon-possessed men. Now, listen carefully. There were two of them. Mark just tells us about one of them. Matthew, if I'm not mistaken, tells us there were how many? Two. We have no record that the other one ever got delivered or helped or set free. You know why that is? Because if you don't want to get set free, not even Jesus himself can set you free. Did you hear what I just said? How many of you know Jesus would want everybody to get saved right today? Is that right? But he won't make anybody do it. You can only get saved if you want to get saved. And you can only get you can only get you can only get freed of demonic power if you want to be free. All those years I was bound by food, I didn't, I didn't stop it until I, was, until I wanted to do it. 
and the Lord helped me. But the other guy didn't get delivered. He didn't come and worship. He could have got delivered. He didn't want. So, you know, some people just don't want to be free. Now, we could talk for an hour about that. But what did this guy, verse 6, he saw Jesus from afar. He ran. This guy ran and worshipped him. In verse 15, now many things happened. The, the demons left the man, went into the swine. The swine ran down the hill and were drowned and all of that. But come down to verse 15. They, the, the, whole, the whole countryside was, the whole area there was so moved by this. They came to Jesus. The whole multitude from town came out. And saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion. Notice he was sitting and clothed in his right mind. Is that a benefit of worship? Absolutely. He was totally healed. And he was sitting and clothed in his right mind. What a benefit of worship. The Bible says they were afraid. And then if you read on, you'll find that the crowd wanted Jesus. They told Jesus, get out of here. Get out of here. You know, you know, you know, I would have been so rejoicing that this man got set free. They told Jesus, hit the road, Jack. You know why? Because it in because those swine cost some people some money. Hmm? Something, isn't it? Money is a lot more important to some people than seeing somebody get set free of a demonic power. Anyway, benefit of worship. Now look at Acts, the 16th chapter, verse 25. You're all familiar with this probably, but remember Paul and Silas had been, well actually, they got a demon-possessed girl set free. And uh, they got put in prison beat up, put in prison. And in Acts 16.25, at midnight, Acts 16.25, Paul and Silas were praying, singing. What were they doing? Praying and what? Singing hymns to God. Prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Is that a benefit? I think so. Now you think about it, they, what, you know, what a situation they were in. They did something good. They wind up in prison for doing something good. Instead of griping and grumbling and complaining, they're singing to the Lord and praising God and praying. And they got set free. And actually as a result of this, the rest of the story is that, that uh, prisoner, the, the chief jailer there got saved and his, house, his family got saved, and, and a church was started in this area, and he became the pastor. There's some benefits to worship, isn't there? And, you know, other things we could say, you know, God inhabits the praise of his people, so you worship God, his presence comes in, that's a blessing, isn't it? That's a benefit. Of course, the Bible says... Refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. That's a benefit. You worship the Lord, His presence comes. Now, you know, how many of you know God's everywhere at the same time? He's here, but He can turn up his, the manifestation of His presence. I tell you what, He turns that up, it'll refresh you, 
There'll be fullness of joy in his presence. That, 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 those are some good benefits, aren't there? I think about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Remember those three Hebrew children? They refused to worship anyone but God. Only God would they bow their knee to and worship. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how many of you know as a result of that, that was a good benefit they got. They couldn't be burned. Worshiping God will fireproof you. Pretty good benefit, huh? Now we'll close with this one. We'll close with this one. Oh, hang on this one. This is really good. We'll close with this. Go to Revelation 20, verse 7. How many of you know that at some point in the future, the Lord's going to return and there's going to be the rapture of the church and the church is going to be taken to heaven? And then there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period here on the earth, okay? And then at the end of that, Jesus is going to come back and fight the battle of Armageddon and we'll come with him. Glorified bodies, all of that. And then there's going to be what's known as the millennial reign of Christ upon the earth, thousand-year reign of Jesus on the earth. The devil will be locked away in the bottomless pit. Won't that be wonderful? And there'll be natural people living on the earth. They'll be having babies and all of that. And just there won't be, the devil won't be here. Demons will be, there won't be any de- demons. Won't that be wonderful? thousand years. Okay? It's interesting we're talking about the benefits of worship. Watch this. This, this, is, this is worth coming to church just to get what I'm closing with here. Revelation 20, verse 7. Now, when the thousand years have expired, so when that millennial reign expires, way on down in the future, Satan will be released from his prison, from that bottomless pit. Just for, for a short time, he'll be released. And he will go out to what? To what? Which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. Okay. To gather them together to battle, whose number is as the what? Sand of the sea. That's a lot of people, isn't it? So at the end of the thousand years, the devil's going to be released for a little season from his prison, and he's going to go out and he's going to deceive the nations. Remember, that's the number one thing the devil does is deception. There's multitudes of people in hell right now because the devil deceived them. And there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are going to be deceived. At the end of the millennial reign of Christ, multitudes of people as the sand of the sea going to be deceived by the devil. Now listen. And then in verse 9, they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp where the saints, uh, uh, of the saints of love city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. That's not a good way to end, is it? Now, the question that people have asked me, Pastor Terry, why were these people deceived? They had a thousand years upon the earth and the devil wasn't even, he was locked away and demon powers were locked away and they had a thousand years and, 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 and Jesus is reigning and ruling in Jerusalem and, 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 and yet at the end of this thousand years, multitudes upon multitudes of people are deceived 
and destroyed and wind up, they follow the devil and wind up in hell. Why? How can that be? And the answer is very simple. Would you like me to give you the answer? The answer is found in Zechariah, the 14th chapter. Zechariah, the 14th chapter. And the 16th verse and 17th verses. We'll start with verse 16. Zechariah 14, 16. It shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem. Now, let's just leave that right there. At the beginning of the millennial reign, right before the millennium starts, there's going to be that battle of Armageddon. And there's a whole lot of people going to, Jesus is going to come and destroy a whole lot of evil people. He's given them multitudes of opportunities to repent, and they refuse to repent. How many of you know Jesus is good? God's a good God. He gave these people so much time to repent, and they just refused. They were not going to repent. And so now he comes in the battle of Armageddon, and there's multitudes of people that are destroyed and, and killed, that people that want to serve the devil... And the Bible says the blood will run over there in the, in the Middle East to the horse's bridle for about 180, 200 miles. That's, that's, that's. But there's going to be some people that will be left that will make it through there. And those are the people that are going to be populating the earth during the millennium, okay? But watch this. And it shall come to pass that everyone who's left of all the nations, notice the nations which came against Jerusalem. So there's going to be some people that make it through. The battle of Armageddon, Jesus is ruling in Jerusalem. And notice what some people are going to do. They're going to go up from year to year to what? Worship the King, the Lord of hosts, that's Jesus, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, notice, they're going to go up from year to year to, to do what now? To do what? To worship the King. Now, look at the next verse. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King and the Lord of hosts. Now, just leave that right there. You need to know this about God. Don't ever forget this. God will never make you worship him. Absolutely, he won't do it. Now, the devil will try to make you worship him. The devil will try to force you to worship him. But God will never, ever make anybody worship him. Did you hear me? So it's voluntary. You're here this morning. I didn't make you come here. I didn't twist your arm to get you to come. Did I? You know, everybody has two votes. Is that right? You know what those two votes are? Right foot and the left foot. You voted as to whether or not you're going to come here today. Is that right? And multitudes of people all over this country and this world vote whether or not they're going to come. How's their, how do they vote with their what? Their right foot in there. Is that true or not? God, did God twist you and make you come here today? No. I don't ever put pressure on anybody. To, you know, I, I tell you, you need to come to church. You need to be here regular. You ought to be. But I'm not going to pressure you and make you feel guilty and try to twist you and turn you. Because God doesn't operate that way. He wants you to come because you love him. And you want, right? And you want to worship him, right? That's why I want you to come to church here. Because, because the Lord's led you to that you want to be here, see? But now watch this. 
It shall be that whichever the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, so not, not everybody's going to come during the millennium, are they? Are they? They're not going to. Now, some are, but a bunch of them aren't. Did you get that? Now, do you have to come worship him? Nope. Is he going to make you come worship him? Are some going to come? Yes. Are some not? Definitely. And notice, and it shall be that whichever the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no what? So one of the benefits of worshiping the Lord is getting rain in that hour, right? Let's talk about the hour in which we live right now. There's a lot of spiritual blessings come from worshiping the Lord, right? But listen to me. People want to know why at the end of the millennium, when the devil's released, why do so many people get deceived? And the answer is very simple. The people that get deceived at the end of the millennium are the ones that did not voluntarily come up to worship the Lord because, you see, they didn't come up to worship the Lord, thus they didn't hear his word. Thus, they get what? Deceived. Did you hear that? Well, I want the Holy Ghost wants you to get that. I'm going to camp on it just a minute here. Who got, why did all those people get deceived at the end of the millennium? Why? They were the same people that didn't come regularly to worship the Lord. Thus, they didn't hear his word. Thus, when the devil was released, they were deceived. And here it says they came up year by year, but the way we're set up is week by week here, isn't it? Week by week. When Christians refuse to come to church, listen, listen to me. When Christians refuse to come to church on a regular weekly basis. Now, how many of you know nobody can come every week? Is that right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a Sunday off and you're going to go do something else. I mean, one Sunday here and there I don't think is the end of the world. I'm talking about a lifestyle. Did you hear me? Talking about a lifestyle. And when, when, when Christians do not use their two votes, what are the two votes? The right foot and the... When they refuse, listen to me, when Christians refuse to come to church on a regular weekly basis, and while I'm on it, I might as well say this, Regular weekly basis. That doesn't mean that you come once a month. Or once in a while. Or, or twice a month. How many of you know you ought to come every Sunday unless unless something comes up that you gotta, you know, gotta take care of this or gotta do this. Nobody can be here every time. We don't want to turn this into legalism and bondage, right? But how many of you know that and, and I'll go you one better. If Church ought to take precedent over almost everything else. Yes or no? I'm talking about, I'm talking about your well-being here today. If you refuse Christians by the multitudes 
think they only need to come to church once a month or once in a while or Christmas at Easter or, or just, you know, I get there if I get there once every other week. There's a lot of every other is going on every other week. Some people, did you know some people only, well, I don't want to say this, but the Holy Ghost wants me to say it. I'm going to say it. You know some Christians only come to church when they're scheduled to serve in the volunteer ministry? I've been watching this 30 some odd years. Multitudes of them. They'll only come, and we're thankful that they serve. Say amen, somebody. I, I mean, I'm thankful that they serve. And so be it. I'm thankful that they serve. But if they're not scheduled to serve, those other Sundays they won't be here. Oh, yeah. So, so why, am I, why am I so adamant about this? Because I don't want anybody to be deceived. Are you okay? And so if you don't come on a regular weekly basis to come to, what is the first reason you come to worship God? And what's the second reason to hear His? If you don't come on a regular weekly basis to do that, you're going to be just like, and you are just like those people there. You're setting yourself up to be what? To be deceived by the devil, and he'll deceive you every which way. You will, he won't know whether you're coming or going. You need to understand something about deception. The devil's not going to counterfeit a $4 bill, is he? Why not? Because we don't have any real ones. Correct? I was watching the Beverly Hillbillies the other day. And, and Granny, there was a, they hired a maid, and she took away Granny's work from her. And Granny wanted to clean the mansion. How many ever heard of Beverly Hillbillies? And Granny wanted to clean the, man, the mansion. And so uh, this maid was, was doing Granny's job, so Granny comes in there and she says, Look, I'm going to work you a deal here. She said, My share of Jed's money is $15 million. I'm going to give you, now she says it's in Mr. Drysdale's bank. She said, I'm going to give you $15 million if you'll just go away. And this woman, and this woman jumps up and she says, whoo, wow, I mean, good deal, Granny. I'm going to take that $15 million. And, 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 and she says, you know, when can I get the money? And Granny says, well, she says, most of it's in Mr. Drysdale's bank, but I've got a stash of it here in my pocket I can start you out with. And she pulls the money out and she hands it to the lady and the lady takes it and just immediately her countenance fell. And she says, this isn't any good. And Grace says, what do you mean? And she said, the maid said, it's confederate. Well, think about that. That woman knew that that money was no good. Yes or no? The devil's not going to hand you any confederate money. You go up and talk to these people at the bank. Why do, they, how many of you know the marker? Have you ever had, had them do the marker? How many ever had, you get, give them a $100 bill or $50 bill somewhere and they'll take the marker? Yes or no? Yes or no? Have you ever given somebody a $50 bill, $20 bill? When you're going, not at the bank, but you're going out to the restaurant. And they'll take, you've never had that mark, the marker? Well, well, okay, <laughs> where have these people been? They must be broke. <laughs> they must have no money. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. But you, you've never, does it, okay, okay. 
I've gone into the store, I've gone into the bank, I've gone into many places and I'll hand them a $20 bill, a $50 bill, $10 bill, and there's a special marking pen. And, and, and they'll mark on that bill and, and, and they can tell by looking when they put that marker pen if it's counterfeit or not. Well, yeah. So what I like to do, just to have a little fun, is I'll go in and I might hand somebody like 20 and they'll take, their, they'll take their pen and they'll mark my bill. And they'll hand me back, you know, maybe a 10 and three ones. And I'll say, I want your marking pen because I want to check to be sure the money they're giving me back is not counterfeit. That always blesses people. Now, I gotta t- can I tell you another funny story? Okay. I'm over at the bank one day and we're talking, I'm talking to the teller about this. And she said that, she said that a fella came into the bank sometime in the past and he got like, he was going on vacation and he got $3,000 in $100 bills. And so he goes wherever he's going on vacation and he starts, because he's going to start using his cash. And so he gives a $100 bill and, and the lady takes and she marks the $100 bill and, it, and, and, and she says, this counterfeit. And so he hands her another $100 bill. She marks it and said, this counterfeit too. So he gets in the third one, counterfeit. Fourth one, she takes her marker, counterfeit. And he gets about 10 bills. That's, a, what, 1000 bucks. Every one of them's counterfeit. He's about down on the floor saying, you know, this can't be counterfeit. I got all this money from my bank. So they call the manager in and it founds out that the woman that was marking those $100 bills saying they were counterfeit, counterfeit she was using a Sharpie. Not a real... <laughs> that is funny, isn't it? You know, so she was using a pen that wasn't, wasn't designed to show counterfeit. You know, she just... You, and they give, they give that guy a heart attack in the meantime, you know, they got all this money dollars and counterfeit. What am I trying to tell you? The devil isn't going to counterfeat something that like confederate money. He's, gonna, he's not going to counterfeit a $4 bill. He's going to counterfeat the $100 bills or the 50s or the 20s. He's going to try to make them look exactly as much alike, correct, as the real. And the same thing's true. That's why you need to know the Word of God. That's why you need to come to church on a regular, weekly basis to worship God and to hear His Word so that when the devil presents you with something that is... And the devil's not going to ever present you with an outright lie. The devil is going to present you with about 90% truth. And guess what? He's going to mix in 10% poison. You want to poison and kill a dog? You're not going to just put a, put a bunch of poison out there. You know how to do it? Don't, don't do this. But you take a, bit, a nice steak. Huh? And you put just a little bit of poison in there. Because the, the dog's not going to come up and just eat the poison. He's going to eat that nice steak, but it's, got just, it's laced with just enough poison to kill him. That's the way the devil... See, the devil wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill your children. That's why you need to have your children here on a regular weekly basis to worship God, to hear the word of God. Because the devil would like to kill your children. And the devil, the way he's going to do it is he's going to present 90%, maybe 95% percent truth. He's going to lace it with enough, enough poison, deadly poison, to destroy you and to kill you. 
And if you don't come on a regular weekly basis to worship God and to hear his word, you're going to set yourself up for what? For deception. Did you get it? So that's a benefit of worship, coming and hearing the word of God on a regular basis. You won't be near as likely to be deceived. Stand with me if you would. Hope you got something out of this. Do you see now why those people got deceived at the end of the millennium? They refused to come up and worship the Lord and to hear his word. Father, I pray for these people. Good people, good people. Every last one of them, good people. I pray for them right now that they take this message to heart. And particularly the last part about this deception. We all need to hear it. We all need to be aware of it. That we would all endeavor to come on a regular, weekly basis to worship you, put you first, to hear your word, and thus will not be deceived.